listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Romans 14. Jump in with me. Verse 17. Look what the Bible says. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So notice what Paul's teaching here. The kingdom of God is made up of three elements, righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Joy cannot be discarded as some kind of a fringe element in the kingdom of God. Paul described it as one of the main three elements of the kingdom. Righteousness or right standing with God, peace, and we know it's a peace that passes all understanding, and joy. And there's many people that are in right standing with God. How many do you know? They're in right standing with God. They're not living in sin, but they battle. Their peace is attacked and their joy is attacked. It's, it's demonic. Their peace is attacked and their joy is attacked. And it's, it's, not, it's not right. It's something that steals. We've dealt with this before. It steals your strength. It's your fuel to move forward. The Bible says that with joy will you draw water from the wells of your salvation, Isaiah 12, 3. So literally joy is your receptacle to pull the blessings of God out of the wells of salvation. Everything you need is in the wells of your salvation. And the Bible teaches us in Isaiah that it is with that joy that we pull all of those blessings out of the wells of our salvation. Then if you look at Isaiah chapter 55, God speaks and says in verse 12 that you will go out with joy and be led forth by peace. So notice why the devil fights peace and joy so hard. Not only is it your fuel to produce, not only is it the bucket with which you pull your blessings out of your wells, but look how it functions to guide you in the path God's called you to live in. It says you'll go out with joy and you'll be led forth by peace. So look at this. Joy pushes you. Peace pulls you. You've heard me teach this before. Joy pushes you. Peace pulls you. Everybody that's watching tonight, pop that in the comments. Joy pushes you. Peace pulls you. Joy pushes you. Peace pulls you. What do I mean by that? Joy is like the gas in the tank of your vehicle that allows you to move forward. But peace is like your GPS that tells you which way is the proper way. Have you ever been uh, praying and asking God when you had a decision to make in life and you know you've got like three ways you could go, four ways you could go, and even as you meditate on the different ways that you could literally move forward in life, as you even think about it, you're like, man, I don't feel right about that. I just feel uneasy about that direction. I don't feel quite right about that. But then when you meditate on the one that the Lord wants for you, you feel a peace in that direction. Have you ever been there? That you just feel, man, when I imagine myself doing that thing or pray about that decision, I feel a peace in it. I mean, if, if you've had that experience, throw a hand up in the comments. That when you're, mag when you're meditating on, well, if I do that, I don't feel peace on, but that, it's that decision right there. I can feel the peace of God in me as I'm meditating on that. You know why? Because peace is an element that the Lord uses by the Holy Spirit to lead you where you're going. The Lord's not going to lead you outside of peace. He leads you into peace. If you never have, you can have that experience. Peace. God will lead you by peace. Doesn't He's not going to lead you into a place where you're in distress. God doesn't lead you into distress. Even if you're going in to fight a battle, you can have perfect confidence and perfect peace in a battle. And so you understand like David, David wasn't running out there with a spirit of fear. He, he didn't go out there with a spirit of anxiety. He was confident and bold. He had peace in his decision to fight Goliath. So even if you're going out to fight a battle, you can go out in perfect peace. And that peace is the peace of the Holy Spirit. 
It's a peace, by the way, that passes all understanding. Love you, brother Tim. It's a peace that passes all understanding. What does that mean? It means it's a peace that other people can't understand. Why are you so peaceful? Look at what's going on. They don't get it. They don't see why you could be so peaceful. It's a peace that passes understanding. And so those two elements are elements that God uses. Joy is the thing that pushes you out into your purpose. And peace is the element that pulls you in the proper direction like a GPS. It's no surprise to me why the devil fights them so hard. Joy is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so no question, the devil knows that. He wants you to be stranded and isolated to where you can't move forward because your fuel to push forward is gone. He wants you to not be able to hear the voice of the spirit. He wants to be the one that you hear with lies and deception so that you never go in the right direction and you don't experience peace. But see, we can break past that by taking dominion over depression and anxiety and every wicked thing that comes against your mind. There are people that are taking, I just saw it today. We were looking um, on Twitter, another pastor. It's in the news. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but another pastor took his own life just today or yesterday. Another pastor committed suicide. It's a trick of the devil to make you feel like there's no hope, that there's no way out, there's no reason to go forward. That I mean, d- total, you know, just giving up on what God's called you to do. It's a demonic attack. And you have to fight back against the attacks of the devil. You have to take dominion over the attacks of the enemy against your life. You've got to learn how to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. And so tonight we're dealing with that, taking dominion over depression and taking dominion over fear and anxiety. And so you've got to realize this, that it's one of the elements. It's one of the elements of the kingdom, one of the three that Paul describes that make up the kingdom of God. And so I want you to look with me, Psalm 16, and this is something that we should know already. This is something that should be in your spirit, in your notes, in your Bible, underlined 15 times. Look at this, Psalm 1611, one of my favorite verses. The psalmist said, you make known to me the path of life and in your presence, there's the key, in your presence, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore you see that you make known to me the path of life so one of the things we've got to realize is by being led by the spirit he makes known to us the path of life and in his presence in his presence i want you to put this in the comments if you would god's presence is the key. I want you to put that in the comments. God's presence is the key. I'm waiting for you. God's presence. There it is. God's presence is the key. His presence is so strong feel the anointing on this. His presence is so strong that it always brings freedom. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you see? That's the key. You know, and I've taught this multiple times, but I want to I want to reiterate this. You you know that God, including the Holy Spirit, am is totally omnipresent. Totally omnipresent. God is everywhere. You can't remove his presence. The psalmist said that wherever I go, you're already there. I can't escape your presence. Wherever I go, 
you're already there. You can't escape his presence. But isn't it interesting? God's presence could be somewhere and people do not take advantage of it. There's my father. Love you, dad. God's presence could be somewhere and you don't take advantage of it. Well, well, what do you mean by that? Well, look at examples in the scripture. Isn't it interesting to you that in Mark chapter six, Jesus, who is God, Jesus is God, the Bible says, in the flesh. Isn't it interesting Jesus went to Nazareth with the intention of healing them all? He wanted to heal them all. That was his desire. Gets there and could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. Now, there is an example in the scripture of God's presence being somewhere and an entire group of people not getting to benefit from his presence. Do you think Jesus went there with the desire to just pick and choose a few that he sovereignly wanted to heal and left the rest sick and untouched? No. The Bible says, and he marveled at their unbelief. He couldn't believe their doubt. Couldn't believe their unbelief. So you know what he did? As my father has preached for many years, he went around to their villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching because teaching and preaching is the cure for unbelief. My father has a message he's preached for many years called the cure for unbelief, preaching and teaching. Why? Because Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. Jesus saw the fault in Nazareth. They had doubt and unbelief, which destroys your ability to access the presence of God. So what did he do? He did what he knew to do, what God wanted to be done. He began to preach and teach to build faith in those regions. Teach and preach to build faith in those regions. And so he marveled. Well, Jesus carried with him, as we've been teaching to you. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus Christ is the perfect image or the radiance of uh, of the nature of his father, God, the perfect example, a perfect representation of the nature of God on the earth, an exact replica, if you will, of the, that's why Jesus was able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Why could he say that? Because he was a perfect representation of the father. So wherever he went, he was the presence of God in the flesh. Jesus was the presence of God in the flesh. Wherever he went, the Bible says he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for the Lord was with him because he was the presence of God in the flesh. So notice that there were people that were around Jesus, but didn't get a miracle from Jesus. Isn't that interesting to you? Not because they didn't need one, they needed one, but they didn't get one because they did not access his power. They did not access his presence. His presence was available to them. It was there. They could have reached out and touched him, but they did not believe him. And as, as a result, they did not access his miracle working power. The presence of God is everywhere, everywhere. But not everybody accesses what's available to them. Have you ever been out to eat with somebody and you were talk, trying to talk to them, but as you're sitting there at the table trying to talk to them, all you see is this. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 good. Yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah, oh, dude, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh. Well, they're there. They're sitting at the table, but you're not benefiting from their presence and they're not benefiting from yours. Proximity means nothing if you don't engage. That's something that I want you to write in the comments. Proximity means nothing if you don't engage. Proximity means nothing if you don't engage. You've got to engage with the power that's there for you. In his presence is fullness of joy. 
fullness of joy. So that shows you, that shows you that presence alone, presence alone is not enough because his presence is everywhere. As we've just shown you, his presence is everywhere. So presence alone does not ensure the miraculous. Presence alone does not ensure joy. Presence alone does not ensure peace. But accessing that presence by obedience is what brings the joy, is what brings the peace. So when you begin to do things like praise God and worship him, when you begin to praise God and worship him, he said, the Bible said, God inhabits, lives in, dwells in the praises of his people. What are you doing when you're praising him? Well, when you're praising him, you're interacting with him. You're putting your focus upon him. You are magnifying the Lord. You see that? You're mag- I love that. I've taught on this before. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. The psalmist said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. When he said magnify the Lord, that means let us put our focus on the Lord. Let us search out the details of God. Let's talk about his goodness. Let's talk about his handiwork. Did you know that we're actually commanded to praise God for the literal things that he's done in the past? You know, I hear people say things that sound really scriptural, but they're not scriptural. They sound good, but they're not They're not Bible. You know, I've actually had people say to me, well, brother, I don't praise him for what he does. I praise him for who he is. Hallelujah. You ever heard something like that? I don't praise God for what he does. I praise him for who he is. Well, let me tell you something. That sounds nice, but it's not scriptural because the Bible commands us specifically. Psalm 150, I believe it's verse 2. Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. What I'm teaching you tonight is it's scriptural to not only put your focus on God, but to then rehearse the things that he has done. Not just that he's going to do for the things he's already done. I praise him. I take the time to praise him for my testimonies. I take the time to praise him for what he's done for me. I I take the time to praise him that I'm healthy, that I'm sane, that I'm blessed, that I'm free from sin, that I'm free from sickness, free from poverty, free from depression, free. I praise him for keeping me from those things. I praise him for my protection. I I praise him that no wicked thing can come near my dwelling place. I praise him for giving me strong, smart, and set-apart children. I mean, you begin to understand that we're to actually list and talk about the things that he's done and praise him, not just for who he is, but for what he does. And if you've ever heard me uh, preach on this, you'll understand what I mean, that you, it's be, the reason for this is because you cannot separate who he is from what he does. They are one and the same thing. Did you ever see that before? You can't separate who he is from what he does. They are one and the same. That's why his names, his covenant names describe what he does. That's why the name, that's why they begin to call him those names because they were describing what he was doing at the time. Hallelujah. So understand when Abram got to the top of the mountain to sacrifice Isaac and the angel stopped his hand and then he looked over and saw a ram caught up in the thicket and God provided a sacrifice. What did Abraham say? He said, I'm going to call this place Jehovah Jireh for the Lord provides for himself. You see that? I will call this place. Well, why did he call God Jehovah Jireh in that place? Because God just got done providing. He said, I'm, I recognize now another aspect of his nature. He's a provider. Now that I recognize that aspect of his nature, I will call him what he does. Hallelujah. I will call him what he does. 
I call him Jehovah Jireh because he is already a provider. You see that? He said, I'm the God that heals you. I am the God, Exodus 15. I am the God that heals you. Well, we call him Jehovah Rapha because he is the God of healing. We're calling him a name based upon what he does. That's praise. I'm calling him a name based on what he does. Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. Jehovah Rapha, he's my healer. He also brings peace. That's why he's called Jehovah Shalom, the God of my peace. Jehovah Shalom, the God of my peace. He's the God of my righteousness. The Bible says, our righteousness is like filthy rags, but... If you look in 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says that he who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You realize that Jeremiah had the revelation, God is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. That's found in Jeremiah. The Lord is our righteousness. He's Jehovah Sitkanu. The word Sitkanu, he's the God of our righteousness. There's my friend Jeff Teeman. I love you. One of the greatest photographers in the land. Love you, man. I hope you're doing well as well. We love you and your family. Thanks for jumping on for a second to say hi too. Jehovah Sitkanu, he's the God of our righteousness. So he takes care of us. He goes before us. I like what Isaiah said, that our righteousness will go before us. You know what that means? God will go out ahead of us. God, the Lord himself, will go out in front of us. We call him for what he is. We describe him. His name describes the things that he has done. So powerful. So powerful. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's Jehovah Sitkanu. He's our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23, his name is Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd, you see. And so we praise him for what he does. And that's why his names, you can't separate who he is from what he does. It's impossible. It's impossible to do because he is what he does. Hallelujah. If you're taking notes, put it in the comments. God is what he does. He is what he does. I love that. He is what he does. Very important that we recognize that because when we do, we know that by focusing on what he does, we're truly focusing on him. And when the psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me, it means that we are magnifying him. We're not making him bigger. You can't change the size of God. He said, I'm the Lord, your God. I don't change. God's size doesn't change. Power doesn't change. Nature doesn't change. None of that changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change either. But recognize this, when we magnify him, all that's changing is our personal view of who he is. That's it. All that's changing is our personal view of who he is. You know, some people suffer with a big devil and a little God syndrome. It's what they have. It's what they have. Big devil, little God syndrome. You ever notice there's some people that all they do is talk about their problems. You ever been around those kind of people? Oh, y'all just pray for me. I really been going through it. I mean, the devil's been attacking from every angle. I just, I'm telling you, we have really just been struggling. You ever been around people like that? Everything they talk about is the drama, the problems, the issues that they've been dealing with. Literally. Oh, y'all just pray for me. I mean, it's been one battle after another. I tell you what, we've been struggling. I mean, my God, the demon's been coming. You ever seen those people? Never have anything victorious to say about what God's doing. Never. They never have a thing to say about his power, his glory, his provision, his healing, his righteousness, his peace, his joy. Always just focusing on every wicked thing 
that's sweeping through the world. My God, this is a horrible day we're living in. Can you believe the, the evil? Can you, instead of saying this is the day that the Lord has made, I'll rejoice and be glad. It doesn't matter what day it is in the world. You declare what kind of day it is and take dominion over your day. Take dominion over your day. Saw my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth is on. And I remember one of the things that we used to use as a kind of a slogan or a motto, his church is dominion, which is what I'm teaching on dominion Christian center and his television broadcast taking dominion. But one of the things we used to use at the church as kind of a model or slogan, it was Dominion Christian Center where faith defines your future. Faith defines your future. It's not your present defines your future. It's not what the world is doing defines your future. Faith defines your future. And what is faith? Faith is your belief in the word of God. Your declaration of the word of God. Faith defines my future. Nobody else can define my future more than I can. There's nobody that can steal my future from me by, you can't come in. I don't care. No governmental agency, no corporation, no, there's no religious spirit, no demon. The devil himself cannot destroy or take away my future. Faith defines your destiny. Faith defines your destiny. So you can get to a place where faith defines your destiny. What does that mean? It means that you have dominion and authority over your own future. Who, I mean, who does the devil think he is that he's going to dictate our future to us and tell us what our tomorrow is going to look like? Well, you're going to die. Everybody in your family, cancer ran through your family, diabetes ran through your family, heart disease ran through your family, the same thing's coming on you. And who does the devil think he is that he's going to define how our future turns out? He's not God. He's not God. And the Bible said, if God is for you, tell me who can be against you? Who can be against you? Faith defines your future. So when I magnify the Lord, I'm not changing his size. I'm not changing his power. I'm not changing his ability. I'm changing my view of who he is. It's like when you pick up a magnifying glass, if you had a stamp or a coin, when you look at a stamp or a coin through a magnifying glass, you're not making the stamp or coin any bigger. You're making your view of it bigger. Now you can pick out the details that you haven't seen before. You can more clearly see what was printed on the coin or stamp more clearly than you ever did. You can see the fine print, the detail, everything that's there. The same is true. People that have a big devil and a little God syndrome, they're always magnifying their view of a devil that's already defeated. He's already defeated. You don't have to defeat him. He's been defeated. You just take your authority and your dominion over a foe that's already defeated. And so you understand when you magnify, when you're always talking about, here's my uncle, thank you, I love you. When you're always talking about the problem Always talking about your issue. Always talking about your sickness. And you mark my words when you see this. I've seen this many times. Many times when somebody's battling something in their body or their mind or whatever it is, the devil will send somebody to attach to them that always sits there and strokes and pets their problem to keep them in it, to make them feel like a victim, to make them feel like, oh, well, you know. No, and and as long as that person's there, They'll always be there to make sure you stay in the problem, stay in the issue. Do you realize we've had people that have been healed? Think about how insane this is. People that have been healed in revival meetings, that then they got mad after they got healed because they realized that now that God's healed them, they can no longer collect their disability check. You talk about backwards, stupid thinking. There's people that would rather stay in disease and a crippling condition so that they can collect a disability check from the government. You talk about a poverty mindset and a bondage in the spirit that you'd rather stay bound by the attack of the devil than you would to be free so that you can get some little disability check from the government. What a small view of your future. What a small, sad view of your future instead of walking in the freedom and the power of the Holy Ghost. See, dominion is not something that ever takes place automatically. 
dominion is never, never something that you can just throw on cruise control. Dominion is taken by faith. The righteous, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Matthew eleven twelve. They take it by force. You take your dominion. You don't sit around and say, well, one day God's going to give me dominion over this problem. No, he's not. He's already given you dominion. Remember what I taught to you about the creator's original intent. The creator's, Adam and Eve had dominion already in the garden. They had it until they gave it away to Satan. But Jesus took it back and gave it to you and gave it to me. And now he said in Luke 10, 19, I give unto you authority over all the power of the devil and nothing shall by any means harm you. Nothing shall by any means harm you. So you've got the authority, but in order to have it, you've got to take it. You exercise dominion. You exercise dominion. And there's multiple ways. And tonight we're talking obviously about exercising dominion over depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. And one of the ways you exercise that dominion is by making up in your mind that daily I will discipline myself to praise the Lord. I'll praise the Lord. That's why I promise you 90% of the worship music that comes out now is total garbage, total garbage. Listen, I've been in church my entire life since two weeks old. I know the Holy Spirit. I know him. The Bible says the world does not know him, but we know him. You can sense the Holy Spirit. If you can't, you've got problems. You can feel you can feel when something is anointed and you can feel when something is just a performance, just well produced. And 90% of what's out doesn't carry any kind of a breakthrough anointing on it at all. At all. It's just well-produced. It's nice to listen to. It sounds good. A lot of it has an inspirational message. Most of it doesn't, but some of it does. But it's not anointed like we're talking about. There is stuff that's anointed. But notice this. In this culture that we've built, this worship culture that we've built, most of the worship songs, if you'll notice, lots of them are focused upon us, our problems, our issues, Looking inward, my problem, I'm so unworthy. I'm a sinner with filthy hands. I'm not worthy of your glory. I'm not worthy of your presence. I'm not worried. And it's all focused on me. That's not praise and worship. Praise is focused upon God and his power and his glory and his name. Worship. We're not worshiping us. We're not worthy of his worship. The worship goes to him. So check this out. If you're going to worship him, got to sing about him. I know that's a hard concept for a lot of people to understand because it doesn't win dove awards. <laughs> but if you're going to worship him, you got to sing about him. You got to talk about him. You got to focus on him. You see? And so one of the things we need to realize is if we'll discipline ourselves to praise God on a daily basis, that's one of the ways we take dominion over depression because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 22 and verse 3. Psalm 22 and verse three, that's why, you know, people say, well, you know, when I was growing up, we sang hymns and I always felt the power of God, but I don't feel it now. Well, look at hymns. Hymns are focused upon Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white. That's Jesus. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. It's the blood of Jesus. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Talking about Jesus. Notice a lot of these songs, they just talked about Jesus, his blood focused on him. They just focused on him. And that's why the power of God was on the songs. Anytime you talk about redemption's work, I am redeemed, bought with a price. Talking about Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Talking about Jesus. <laughs> All the songs that are at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. 
and the burden of my heart rolled away. Talking about the cross, Redemption's Act. Talking about Jesus, his blood. Why do you think it carries power? That's why. That's why. Because when you focus on him and what he's done, we're magnifying the Lord. I'm looking through the, the glass, the lens of the power of God. And as I do, guess what happens? He inhabits those praises. He lives in, dwells in those praises. And that's when joy comes. Because if he inhabits the praises, that's his presence. But Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. In his presence, fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see that. So one of the ways we take dominion over depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts is we stay in praise. Put it in the comments. Number one, stay in praise. I want you to actually comment that. If you're going to take dominion, exercise dominion over depression, stay in praise. Stay in praise. Stay in praise. Stay in praise. That's That actually, to be honest with you, that's one of the, the lessons my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, did teach me. He taught me that. The importance of staying in praise. And I've learned a lot of things while I was there with my uncle, but I'll tell you, one of the things that really I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't understand was how important it is to stay in praise. Stay in praise. If you want to see breakthrough, anything powerful that happened in the Old Testament and in the New, it happened during praise, not worship. Happened during praise. In fact, if you study worship truly, if you study what worship was for most of the time in the Old Testament, it was sacrificing. It was actually giving, sacrificing. That's what worship was. They sacrificed and worshiped the Lord. Praise. You look at Psalm uh, at Second Chronicles twenty, when they went out. What were they doing? Praising. Peter. Listen to this. As Paul and Silas were in prison, how'd they get out? Praising. You. I can take you all through walls of Jericho. They begin to shout and praise God. Everything that happened, that was a breakthrough or a victory, happened through praise. In fact, I wrote a whole book, Unhang Your Harp, how praise opens the door to every blessing God has set aside for you. I guarantee you most people do not understand how powerful praise is and how many areas of your life that it breaks into. And it breaks into every area. Financial victory, healing, miracles, breaks it into your joy, your peace, your purpose, your protection. And in the book, I go topic by topic and show you how praise opens the door to every blessing that God has set aside for your life. Every single one. It is an element of power. And all through the Bible, blind Bartimaeus, did you know that just by saying Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me? Did you know that just by saying son of David, he was praising Jesus? Everybody else, everybody else was saying Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. That was his earthly name. Here comes the carpenter. Here comes the bastard son of Mary. I'm telling you, Jesus of Nazareth, that's not who he was. That's not who he needed. That's the carpenter. Notice, this. the Bible actually says this in Mark chapter 10. He heard them saying, here comes Jesus of Nazareth. And he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know what he was saying? I don't need a carpenter to help me. A carpenter can't make me new eyes. I need the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one to have mercy on me. I need the son of God to touch these eyes. Big difference between a carpenter and the Messiah. Big difference. And he praised Jesus just by accessing his messianic name. Son of David. You know what he was saying? I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you've got the power to heal. I believe you're the chosen one. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're a supernatural man. He wasn't calling out for a carpenter. I need some crown molding done. No, I need new eyes. I need eyesight. And only the son of God can do that. And so he called out, Jesus Son of David, that was praise. And notice, if you want to study this, this is one of the most powerful parallels you can pull. 
Mark chapter 10 is truly a correlation to Psalm 22.3 in the New Testament. God inhabits the praises of his people. Jesus is leaving. Listen to this. Jesus is leaving Jericho and there's a huge crowd outside the city. And I'm sure many of them needed a miracle. Many of them, I'm sure, but he just kept on moving. He kept on walking until he heard Jesus, son of David. When he heard praise, he stopped in his tracks, turned around and said, bring him to me. You know why he said that? Because it would have been impossible. Once Jesus heard that praise, it would have been impossible for him to leave that man behind because God doesn't leave the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. And that praise, look what it did. It put a magnetizing force on Bartimaeus and pulled him into Jesus' presence. I love it. He threw down his cloak that signified he was a blind beggar and came to where Jesus was. His praise stood him right in front of the master. Jesus couldn't leave, couldn't keep moving, couldn't get out. No, he said, stop, bring him to me right now. Bring the man to me. He didn't say that about anybody else that was outside of Nazareth. All the people that were saying, here comes Jesus of Nazareth, here comes Jesus. No, he was outside of Jericho and said, bring him to me. Only one, the man who had praise in his mouth. And if you've got praise in your mouth, then God will inhabit that praise and his power will be activated on your behalf. And when that power is activated, guess what? All things are possible because that man's praise, check this out, that man's praise got him a blank check from heaven. What do you think Jesus didn't know? You think Jesus couldn't see what was going on? The man was blind. Someone either had to lead him to Jesus or he had to feel his way to Jesus. And he stood in front of the master. And what do you think? Jesus just didn't know what was wrong with him. We said, what would you have me to do for you? No, he was seeing, where's your faith at? What are you expecting? Make your requests known unto God. He meets you at your point of faith. What would you have me to do for you? A blank check from heaven was written for the man who had praise on his lips. Hallelujah. And he said, Lord, I want to receive my sight. And something that was impossible just got made possible because a man's praise came out of his mouth and it sucked him into the presence of God. And miracles had to happen. Had to happen. Same is true for you. As you'll begin to praise God on a daily basis, guess what? The power of God's gonna fill your house. It's gonna fill your body. It's gonna fill your mind, fill your spirit, touch your children, touch your wife. And as you begin to praise him, he'll inhabit the, the, the praises of his people and you will activate his power. I love what Bishop David Oyedepo said. He said, praise is the cheapest access into the presence of God. Praise is the cheapest access, the quickest access. He also said this. Think about how powerful this is. He also said, prayer is powerful and prayer is wonderful, but prayer can never equal the potency of praise. Listen to this. Because God answers our prayers, but he lives in our praise. (laughs) Come on, man. Think about that. God only answers our prayers, but he lives in our praise. Prayer is powerful and we should pray faithfully, but praise accesses the raw, unadulterated power of God. No question about it. It's the cheapest and quickest access into the presence of the Lord. Think about how bad the devil wishes that he could stop God's people from praising Think about how bad. Why do you think he always tries to affect your your flesh? Well, you know, I don't feel like praising him today. I, I just don't feel like lifting my hands. I don't feel like dancing. I don't feel like shouting. I don't feel like, no. See, that's why you have to tell your flesh to shut up and give God a sacrifice of praise. That's when you praise him and you don't even feel like praising him. That's when you praise him and your flesh is screaming no, but your body, but your spirit man is screaming yes, because you will do what the word of God says to do. We don't go by how we feel. We don't live by our feelings and our emotions. No, the just shall live by faith. 
I don't go by how I feel. I go by what the word of God says. It's like my dad says many times. He said, there's days I wake up. I don't feel saved. I feel sleepy, but I'm saved anyway. (laughs) I don't go by how I feel. I tell my body to be quiet and to get in line with the spirit and with what the word of God says. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I put my body under on a daily basis and make it do what it should so that after having preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul understood if your flesh governs your life, you'll be destroyed. But if the word of God governs your life, you'll find never-ending success. It's impossible to obey the word and to diminish. You cannot fail by obeying God. It's impossible. You have to make up in your mind, either God's word is true or it's a lie. Can't be both. It's either true or it's a lie. And I declare it's true in Jesus' name. And we obey it and we see the manifestations of it. Number two, how else do you take praise allows you to take dominion over depression? How else do you take dominion over depression? By speaking the mighty word of God. God's word is ammunition. It is power. Did you know that the Bible says that uh, the Jesus said this in John 6, 63? He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you. So God's words are spiritual life. When they come out of your mouth, they carry spiritual life. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Life is in your mouth. Spiritual life is in your mouth. Well, Jeremiah, the prophet said this. Now I want you to think about how powerful this verse is. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16. This will stir you up. Listen to the power of God's word in your mouth, in your body, and coming out of your mouth. He said, Lord, your words were found. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. <laughs> Woo, glory. I feel the Holy Ghost on that man. Jeremiah 15, 16, I found your words and I ate them. And they became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart or of my soul. You see that? So when you have the word of God in you, it becomes overwhelming joy into your body, into your soul, into your mind. The word of God is joy. When you ingest it, you're ingesting joy. People don't catch this, man. That's what Jeremiah was saying. Proverbs 4 says it. It brings life and strength and health into your body. When you ingest this word, you're ingesting joy. This is straight joy fuel right here. Straight joy fuel. I eat it every day. Eat this every day. You're eating joy fuel. People don't know it. They act like it's just some dusty old book that doesn't mean anything because they don't understand the revelation of God's word. It's joy fuel. This is joy fuel. It didn't change because it's the New Testament. I found your word. I ate it. I eat it day and night. Eat it day and night. And the word will bring health and strength to your body. It'll bring joy to your mind and your soul. It'll bring prosperity and success to your hand. It will bring everything you need. It'll it'll, it'll literally kickstart your purpose like Ezekiel chapter 1. The word I heard, he spoke unto me and his words came into me and set me upon my feet. Think about that. Ezekiel said, the word, I heard him speaking to me. The word came unto me and set me upon my feet. You'll be established in power. The word of God is the most, it's the most powerful force in all of the universe. This right here is joy fuel. One of the ways that you've got to inject yourself with supernatural joy is not only by reading the word on a daily basis, that's ingesting it, but then you speak it over yourself. 
That's why we give you prayer points with the words included, the word, the references in the word of God included. And that's why we give you declarations. That's why my wife's writing a book of declarations and confessions by faith. And then what do we do? We say them. It comes out of our mouth. Why? Because my words are alive, just like God's words are alive. So when I say it, it's alive coming out of my mouth. Hallelujah. I speak over my body. I tell you, just like every day, I, I told you this. Speak over my body. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And today, every one of my organs receives a supernatural touch from God. My bloodstream receives a cleaning from the power of the Holy Ghost. My bones are strengthened. My, my muscles are strengthened. My mind is strengthened. My eyesight is made clear today in Jesus' name. My hearing is perfected today in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's nothing evil that could destroy my home or my family, for your power surrounds this house, and your angels watch over us, and there's a blood barrier of protection around this covenant house, and no wicked thing can come near our dwelling place. I thank you, Lord, that you're arising in our house today, and every enemy is being scattered in Jesus name. I thank you that I'm filled with the joy of the Lord. I thank you that I have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Tonight when I lay my head down on the pillow, perfect peace belongs to me. I'll lay my head down and go straight to sleep. I'll never worry about a thing. I'll never be uh, uh, in anxiety or turmoil uh, based on what the world's going through or go what's going on in the world. But my eyes are fixed on the word of God. I press towards the high calling in Christ Jesus and I've got my blinders on. I can't see what the devil's doing because I'm focused on what God is doing. And I thank you, Lord, that today I'm the head and not the tail. People are on the way to bless me because I am a giver. I'm a tither. I'm a sower and financial increase is always my story. I will always abound and I'll never diminish in the mighty name of Jesus. I mean, you just start talking like that. Just start talking like that. And I guarantee you because your words carry life giving power. And when you back them up, by the word of God, they begin to manifest in your life and in your family and in your ministry. You don't leave, only a fool leaves his future to chance. <laughs> Put that in the comments. Only a fool leaves their future to chance. Only a fool. Only a fool leaves their future to chance. Put that in the comment section and never forget it. Well, brother, we just don't know what tomorrow holds. We just don't know what tomorrow brings. People talk like that, don't know how, don't know the word of God. We don't know what tomorrow holds. I know what my tomorrow holds if I obey God. If I'm obedient to his word, I know what my tomorrow holds. I'll tell you what it doesn't hold, destruction and death. I'll tell you what it doesn't hold, calamity and problems and issues and crisis. I'll tell you what it doesn't hold, poverty and lack. I'll tell you what it doesn't hold, sickness and disease. Not for my house, in Jesus' name. I said not for my house, because either God's word is true or it's a lie. That's why I wrote Blood on the Door, so people could understand this concept. Blood on the Door lets you know there's a protective power in your covenant. I wrote it for that purpose. Only a fool leaves their future to chance. Go ahead and stop tithing and stop giving and leave your financial future to chance. Go ahead and stop allowing people to lay hands on you and stop going to church and stop letting your pastor anoint you with oil and stop receiving the prayer of faith. Go ahead and stop doing that and, and leave your health to chance. Go ahead and just start doing whatever you want and stop obeying the word of God and leave your relationships to chance. Go ahead. It's up to you. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we'll obey the word of God. And as a result, my obedience brings me the blessing of God. My obedience brings me into victory. So only a fool leaves their future to chance. And you say, well, how do you not leave your future to chance? Do you stay in obedience to the mighty word of God? Whatever he said to do, do it. And if you obey God's word, he honors you for obeying this word. If you won't forget him, he won't forget you. Think about that. If I won't forget him, he won't forget me. If I put him first, he puts me first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And my faithfulness to speak the word and to believe the word put me in position to take dominion over depression 
and fear and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. So number one, praise God daily. I mean, praise him. I mean, really praise him. I don't mean, hallelujah, we just thank you, Lord, for another wonderful day, oh God. No, I mean, like, give him the praise. Put some music on in your house and take off dancing. Take off shouting. We do that, you know, we do that at home. We don't wait till we get to church to shout and dance and praise God. We put it on the TV. We put it on the, you know, we put it on streaming music. And then the kids, we dance, we shout, we praise. When God blesses us, we praise him. When we're done praying, we praise him and we give God glory. We're teaching these babies to be praisers from a young age. Who in the world is foolish enough to be ashamed to praise the Lord? How can you be ashamed to praise the Lord? No, give him the glory. Give him the glory. Praise him on a daily basis. And then speak, ingest the word and speak the word. What comes out of you is what's in you. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. You know, it doesn't matter what the packaging is on the outside. If you drained a toothpaste tube of toothpaste and put barbecue sauce on the inside, it doesn't matter what the package reads on the outside. It can say crest. But if crest ain't in the tube, it's barbecue sauce. When you squeeze it, barbecues coming out and not crest because it's what you fill the vessel with that will come out of the vessel when it's squeezed and the devil when he attacks your life and tries to squeeze you if all you've got on the inside of you is what the world's been saying and what your friends have been saying and what uncle harold's been saying that's what's going to come out but when you are squeezed if the power of god is in you if the word of god is in you that's what's coming out of your spirit that's what's coming out of your mouth and so guard your heart for out of it will flow the issues of life Fill yourself with the word and the word will come out of you. Fill yourself with the word and the word will come out of you. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can take dominion. I mean, let me just tell you something. And this might offend some people that are watching live, might offend some people that watch later, might offend some people that listen on the podcast, but I'm going to say it because it's Bible. And this is my platform, and I can say pretty much whatever I want. (laughs) This is what I'm going to tell you. Anybody that teaches that you can't be free from depression and that, well, you know, it's better to just depend on medications and it's better to... Anybody that doesn't believe that it's possible to be delivered from depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts without medication, without medical care, that's a Christian that's Holy Ghost-filled simply doesn't believe the word of God. You just don't. I'm not telling you if you're on medications or whatever, I'm not telling you to dump your medications in the toilet. I'm not telling you to go off all your medications and forget the doc. I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you is God can heal you and deliver you to the place where you no longer need the medications and the symptoms stop and the attacks stop. And your doctor will say, man, you don't need this stuff anymore. I'm noticing there's a whole change in your countenance. You can be free from medication. You can be free from depression. And listen, I've said this before and I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to say it. I've taken flack for saying it from multiple sources, but I keep saying it because it's the word of God. If you believe that God needs a man-made source, medication, to supplement his supernatural power, then you don't understand the power of God. I'll say it again in case you didn't quite catch what I said. If you think that God needs a man-made source, medication, to supplement his supernatural power, then you don't understand the word of God. You don't. Well, you know, I know prayer is good and I know praise is good and church is good, but what we really need is medication. If that's what you believe, you believe that that's what, well, you know, God uses my medication. If that's what you believe, what did God use before there was medication? It's like, it's absolutely foolish. It's absolutely foolish. You can be free. You can be off all medication. 
You can be completely delivered and living in freedom by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. What I found, you want to know the very truth about it, and it's a sad truth, because everybody's looking for the quick fix. I came to prophesy to everybody watching the broadcast. Every one of you tonight is getting a turnaround. Every one of you tonight is going into the double portion. You know, that's what people are looking for and that's what they want. But the sad truth of it is this. The average person is not willing to do what it takes to be free. They're not willing in the same way that the average American is not willing to do what it takes to lose weight and the average American is not willing to do what it takes to build their muscle and go to the gym faithfully and become toned. It's just bottom line. Most people won't do it. In the same way in the kingdom of God, the average Christian is not willing to do what it takes, the, inscription, the instructions from scripture, to be free in their life. They're not. Their flesh screams at them, don't, I don't feel like praising, I don't feel like worshiping, I don't feel like speaking the word, I don't feel like reading the word, all that stuff. And so you know what they do? They let their flesh take over. They let their flesh govern their future. And that brings destruction. It brings destruction. My flesh is not qualified to determine my future. Only my spirit is. My flesh is not qualified to determine my future. Only my spirit man is. Why? Because my spirit man is united with the spirit of God. And so I'm led by the spirit of God. And that's the only thing qualified to determine my future. And this is, this is mature believer stuff we're talking about tonight. I'm giving you the meat. I'm not giving you the milk. This is for the faithful people that have stuck with this uh, channel and this broadcast. You know what I'm talking about. This isn't for the babies. I'm not sitting here squirting milk into your face. This is steak. Take a bite. This is what it tastes like. It's time to take responsibility in the kingdom of God and declare, I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to be anxious. I refuse to be suicidal. I refuse to live like that. I will walk in victory over depression, anxiety, and fear, and depression that brings suicidal thoughts will not be my story in Jesus' name. I'll walk in joy. I'll walk in peace. I'll walk in love, and nothing's going to stop me from moving forward. Faith. Faith defines my future. Faith does. Hallelujah. I want you to write it in the comments. Faith defines my future. Faith defines my future. It's your story. Come on. Write it in the comments. Faith defines my future. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Faith defines my future. That's it. And I'm going to pray. I know this is a big issue. I know that it is. I've, you don't know how many people I've ministered to that have dealt with this. I have a heart for them. You realize it was the thing that prompted me to start writing books in the first place. Very first book I ever wrote was How You Can Walk in Overwhelming Joy. Praise, Laugh, Repeat. Very first book I ever wrote is How You Can Walk and Live in Overwhelming Joy because this so bothered my spirit, so grieved my heart to see people that were bound by depression, anxiety, fear, suicide. I said, God, there's got to be a way out of this. There's got to be freedom for your people. And I began to fast and pray and God spoke. He began to speak to me. Yes, this is the biblical way to walk in overwhelming joy. I have a heart for people that have battled in this area, but I want you to know that God sets free every person who has faith to believe him and will take their dominion. See, God will deliver you, but the way to not keep falling back into the same issue again and again and again is that after he delivers you, take these steps to stay free on a daily basis, every single day. I want you to bow your head. Those that are watching, maybe a house watch party, join hands together and let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, now I'm praying for your wonderful people. I ask you tonight to touch them by supernatural power. I take authority over a spirit of heaviness that your word speaks of, a spirit of fear. And I curse that attack of the devil against their lives. I commanded to loose, their, loose them and let them go. Loose your grip on their lives. You foul spirit of heaviness, spirit of fear. And I loose now the joy of the Lord, the peace of God that passes all understanding, the love of God 
I thank you, Lord, that perfect love casts out all fear. So let perfect love come upon them tonight. Perfect peace, perfect joy. Touch them by supernatural power. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, let this be the final night that they battle these things. That we thank you that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so, Father, I thank you that they're going to bed in perfect peace and they'll wake up with a supernatural joy (laughs) in the Holy Ghost, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we give you glory and praise for it. If you believe and receive that prayer, throw some fire in the comments section and thank God that it is done in Jesus' name. It is done. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.